Hey, Eric, you said uh, a couple things about juggling I wanted to ask you about. You said something about we're at the age of consciousness in juggling and then that is our task. Do you remember saying that? Yeah, it's something like, um, I don't know. Again, it's, it's hard to draw the line between my own experience and some kind of common experience of the community. So it's possible, of course, that other people feel completely different than I do. But uh, what I was thinking about was that juggling has this history and it has this it has a language like with terms and words and things that we use and it has uh, systems it has notation it has all these aspects right and we're slowly we're becoming aware of these things and not only are we becoming aware of each of those individual areas we can also start to get like it's possible now to have an overview over all those areas like you understand the history of juggling at the same time as you understand notation of juggling you understand the language uh, and the words that have um, grew, grew grown out of juggling in order to talk about it so what the, the idea that i had when i was saying that to you is this is this overview idea when you kind of understand the greater scope of juggling and you're conscious of all the individual parts and you start to see how the individual parts are connected. Because I feel like back when I was, you know, growing up and, and learning how to juggle, you could meet a person and they were very knowledgeable in, let's say, sight swap notation. But that didn't mean that they knew anything about the history of juggling or you know, how to do improvisations or how to make a performance. Whereas I think now we're starting to have this, we're starting to have access, if we want to, to this general overview picture of juggling, kind of like some other field perhaps where, where we, where you, if you go into, you know, I don't know, we always take architecture as a example, maybe it's a good one. But like if you go into architecture and, and that's what you want to do, there there's you have access to sources of different type of studies in materiality. You have access to engineering. You have access to hit the history of architecture. You have access to, um, you know, enormous quantities of, of studies and literature that you could dive into. And that's a different situation than than juggling has been in where it's like maybe you want it i mean before when i when i was not into the history of juggling and i wanted to learn about it it wasn't straightforward even where to go so so i was thinking about that place when juggling as a as a community and as a as an artistic field with you know an uh, a large number of pr practitioners where we as a field we start to have some kind of overview of this situation and we also start to have access to all these things. It doesn't mean that everybody should be interested in history, but the few that want to be interested in history, they know where to go. And the people that want to be interested in notation or making performances, they know where to go. Yeah, I think that's been a real strength of your work that I, that I recognize that I'm, you know, something that you're really good at is this 
kind of making connections in the bigger picture. So you take these little, you uncover little bits and pieces, but then you don't just stop there. You really do make these bigger connections, drawing lines from different places and having a, a longer view on what, what you're doing. I thought that was, that's kind of a theme a lot in your, in your work and in your life. And I mean, just right away, when you talk about this age of consciousness and juggling and that it's our task to kind of maybe uh, promote that or boost that or uncover these, you know, more intentionally go in that direction of consciousness. Um, that's something that I eventually ended up settling on as what I was doing in circuit school, teaching people to juggle, you know, because it is like, well, are, am I, are we teaching technique? Are we teaching composition? Are we, what are we actually teaching? And the word that kind of came closest to describing the process that we ended up having in the school in those classes was consciousness because it wasn't like, oh, you have to make this one choice or you have to make this other choice, that this choice is right and that other choice is wrong. It was more that, hey, are you aware that you're making a choice? <laughs> that was the conversation. And so for many years, I thought that consciousness could be uh, the the value by which you could, you know, measure the experience of going to, to teaching juggling in circus school, which is, I mean, we're going to get to this a little bit later in the conversation now, but um instead of maybe the other disciplines of circus in a circus school, it's more about the technique. Like, hey, I'm gonna learn teeterboard, so I better have a crash mat and a rope, a lunge around my waist so if I, I don't land on my head and snap my neck or whatever. Juggling is not like that in terms of education, at least in my mind. So what are you do what is the point of a school? And then I thought this idea of consciousness was perhaps relevant and maybe one quality you could promote and kind of um, justify, you know, why, why should I go to school for, for juggling? But then, uh, but then really one, one thing I, just to reflect on what you just said that struck me, I remember you told me you're very interested in, in this, uh, bibliography of, of all the juggling, you know, literature. And that you told me that, you know, you can, you can do, that can be known. It's not an infinite process. And that's just the bigger takeaway from what you were saying is that we're in this age of consciousness uh, with juggling and our task, that's maybe the current kind of game that we, we're gonna go with the, the juggling community. Um, but just this idea that those things, you're talking about history and you're talking about notation, these things can be known. And I have to say, when I started off juggling, uh, when I was eight years old, uh, I didn't think anybody could tell me who juggled rings for the first time. I don't think anybody could collect all the wor words written about juggling into one bibliography. And now here we are, you know, 40, whatever, 35 years later. And you're, you, you tell me, you know, you've told me for a couple of years now, yeah, I'm really close to having that bibliography done. And that kind of blew my mind that that these things are knowable is what I'm trying to say. It's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not an impossible task, what we're talking about. Right. Yeah, I uh, I really think so, and it's even not even it's an impossible task. But in in that regard, we're kind of spoiled in juggling, <laughs> because let's say you want to collect all the literature, and you're a musician, right? And you're gonna collect everything that's written about music. That's very a very overwhelming task. Where in juggling, we're blessed in that sense that there isn't that much. It's actually graspable. And especially if you have a little bit of a filter involved, maybe you don't have to, you know, collect every manuscript about how to juggle three balls. Maybe you can be a little bit selective there. But if you want to have every, everything that's 
written about juggling in a slightly greater sense. Mm. That's it's very feasible. I mean, I mean, just off the top of your head, do you have any sort of like how many? I mean, how big is that bibliography? It's, it's not it's, big. It's not that big. I think it's about five hundred uh, books. And are you it's done with that ball, ballpark? Are you finished with it, or more or less? Yeah. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. And then maybe the next step is to make that bibliography accessible. Yeah, that's a, there's a technological challenge there because of first, and I've done this at some point. I just you know print it out as a PDF, mm. but then that PDF is static, and then someone writes a book, and it's like okay, well better go in and edit the pdf and print out a new one or mm-hmm. you know you make a edition or something like that you know here's 2022's uh, additions to the bibliography like you could do it like that but obviously it would be way better that it was just a database online and you could just search you know and you could well just, yeah well exactly i mean that's that that is a project we had that we still have not made is this idea we were t- we were calling it a juggling portal for a while I think I made a Facebook status about it here or there over the past few years. And we had this idea that in the end, the portal, um, I think at first I was thinking of it as an online community, as maybe a successor to rec.juggling, which was accessed through the International Juggling Database. And once the the IJDB went down, the traffic to rec.juggling, for whatever reason, you know, stopped. And there was never really a clear successor to that uh, to that forum or to that community of discussion. Um, and so, but through the process of making this or designing this portal and having conversations about the portal, I think we discovered that instead of a community uh, discussion, it's more of a database. And I often think uh, that I, I often have this idea of your laptop because I know all these, like the bibliography, it's on your laptop. And I just, I just have this, this image in my head. I'm like, well, Eric's laptop holds all these, all this juggling information. If, and if that could only be accessible to, I don't know, anybody who wants to access it, but you know, maybe students who are in circus school or other people in other fields who are interested in juggling, like your laptop does physically hold those things. And it would be some way to share them in a, in a sustainable and meaningful way that I think about often in terms of that kind of, uh, that kind of information. Yeah, there's another aspect of that though, and that is the our ability to relate and to uh, connect information. And I think that's something we have to train ourselves in. It's not obvious that, let's say you had a, had a database where pictures and literature and information was accessible to students, let's say. It's not a given that people would go into that anyways because to make these connections and to for example like oh i know a lot about the history of juggling well how is that useful in my work yeah that is not it's not a it's not a the hardest task task in the world but it's not the the easiest thing in the world either so i do think that and i don't know really where to begin with a problem like that maybe the the well, the the point you begin in is you make a portal and then slowly people learn how to sure how to associate with that and how to connect and how to relate. Hmm. Uh, but I th- I do think that's also like it's a new ability that that jugglers will have access to in the, in the future. It's to be able to relate to things that aren't necessarily 
directly adjacent to what they're doing right now. Yeah. I, I felt that that's something that's been very present when you go to a juggling festival, for an example, and you look at what people are excited about in, in a juggling performance. Often I can tell that jugglers, they're excited about seeing things that are very similar to what they're doing but slightly better <laughs> yeah know? yeah if i'm into back crosses and i see a guy who's really good at back crosses then i'm like yeah that's my thing yeah you know? and, crosses, and yeah. i want to get i, I want to get into that but i think there's a there's a greater experience available to you when you when you learn how to associate a little bit further away uh, and also like eventually what what you what, what you can achieve is you're 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 able to relate things outside of juggling and to to your juggling and 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 i think that's where a lot of creative uh, energy you know can be can be harvested in in such understanding of of connecting juggling to not just what's directly adjacent well i mean it's that old i mean it's that old thing too of if you want to show somebody, it, it, let's stick with juggling, right? And and you want to show show them something innovative and new. It it has to be within a certain framework for them to comprehend that it it is innovative, you know, that it is a progression. So there has to be it has to be relatable. There's a relatability there because if it's too far outside of their own ex- experiences, they just can't they just can't process if it's innovative or not. I was just thinking about like Greg Kennedy when he came out with the bowl, rolling balls in the bowl in 1996. And jugglers just really hadn't had an experience, uh, previous experience of rolling balls in a bowl. And it was very polarizing. A lot of people were saying, oh, well, that's super easy because <laughs> he can't drop because the ball's not going to fall, fall down to the floor because it's in a bowl. Um, on the other hand, some other people were like, no, it looks pretty tricky, pretty intricate patterns. And there's not a lot of space in the bowl, etc." And either way, it was just a polarizing moment because people couldn't directly relate to that technique, that technical experience of it. And that's what you're saying, people, jugglers. I've I've totally observed what you what you're saying there. I've seen that so many times where a juggler who's into a certain style of juggling will kind of only resonate with other jugglers who do that same style. I think a large part of that has to do with the relatability of experiencing personal experience with what it is to do that type of juggling and what it takes, the effort or the thoughts or the whatever, the process, right? But you were talking about and you said you said you weren't quite sure maybe how to start this kind of process in the in the bigger sense. You said maybe, oh, maybe we should just make a portal and then it'll kind of, you know, eventually kind of have to work its way out somehow. But I think a large or one place I would start is just having a, I mean, this sounds so, this sounds so stupid, but having a conversation like we're having now, I think that's where it starts. So, for example, um, we've been having some conversations now uh, recently about juggling. And you told me that whole story about your process, your personal process of, of the balls, rings and clubs and and the ghost cubes and, and all of that. And you gave a concrete example, a concrete line between you were interested in juggling history and you drew a straight line to something that you created with that. And that's not something that everybody has to copy your process, but the fact that you told that story and the fact that we're talking about process, I think for me, that's a huge, um, that's a huge step forward. And it's because this idea of talking about a process is that 
I think a lot of people are afraid to confront their process because their process is intuitive and they're afraid that if they uncover or the, look behind the, the screen, you know, like the Wizard of Oz, uh, it, it'll destroy the magic, that there's a mystery there they don't want to poke at because they're afraid that by poking at it, then the magic will go away. But I obviously, obviously, I totally don't believe that. I think the more we talk about the process, the better and the more refined and the more amazing it becomes. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to attempt to describe that uh, development concretely in terms of how you expand outside of just the, the narrow field that you yourself uh, is, are situated in, it's like a four layer process. So the first layer is you, you're in your own experience and that's what's that's what holds all the relevance for you. Like I'm into this type of, I'm into head roll. So therefore I want to, you know, learn, look at and, and do, you know, head rolls. And then the second layer is if you can break that, just your own experience, you can get into uh, having the ability of observation. So at least you can look outside of what you're doing and what your own experience is. And you can go, oh, what's happening out there? What's that like? Oh, okay, that's something else. And then you can observe, right? So at least then you're in a different layer. So it's kind of like a second layer. And then the third layer, that's when you, these things that you can observe, that's when you can start to analyze them and understand them. So you can go, okay, this is something else. What's happening here? Okay, this is what's happening here. And now I can kind of understand it. So you start to understand that observation. It's not just an intuitive experience of observing. It becomes an intellectual experience because you can start to put words to what you're seeing. You can start to, you know, talk about what you're seeing and etc. And then the, the fourth step is the synthesis of that where you you manage to create the synthesis between the an analysis of what you're seeing outside of yourself with what you're doing and the synthesis is the new creation of that are these four four things you just outlined are those things you uh, did you find that from somewhere or this is something you've you've kind of discovered no i just broke it down now just to see like yeah, yeah. what are the steps you totally. know if you do when you how to deal with information how to deal with uh, association of things that aren't you that aren't your experience that are not what you yourself are into you know what does that step process looks like look like and i mean this is just arbitrary i'm sure you could make it into five steps or 10 steps but like very a very dry breakdown of that it could be this yeah. sure i mean one thing that brings to my mind which is, is this is not a very formulated thought, but it reminds me of you and I were working on something similar to this a few years ago to kind of write down some of our process and to uh, yeah, analyze how we work. And it really, I just remember one word stuck out all the time, which was curiosity, curiosity mm -hmm. about the world. And I don't know how that fits into your, your life or your steps, but definitely uh, that's what, what, that's what comes to my mind is this idea that you have a curiosity about the world beyond what, where you're at right now into yeah i mean that's some kind of a force if you if you if we talk about consciousness like you can be conscious about just yourself and what you're doing i mean that that's plenty plenty good and 
that does not necessarily mean that you have the ability to look outside of that. So there's consciousness and then the, there's observation. But I think there's that why there's a why there mm-hmm. because in your own experience you don't need really a why because you just experience right mm. but if you're going to observe and you're going to do things that are are exterior exterior to yourself yeah i think you need curiosity or there there has to be some kind of a force there for you to to go in into that i don't know if the if curiosity um because you could also perhaps you could make it into um, some kind of functionality. Like maybe I'm not curious about. Okay, let's say I'm an architect. I'm a juggler, right? Mm. And I'm not curious about architecture, but I see some utility there mm. for some reason. There could be a utility that I see, mm-hmm. like curiosity. Of course, that's fantastic if you can have that because then you kind of get it for free. You're interested in something. You're curious about something. Well, then you want to go and do that, right? Because you're curious about it. But sometimes I also think we find ourselves in this position where it's like, oh, man, I don't want to read about like history of World War II or whatever it may be, <laughs> right? But, but but then you can still perhaps manage to see that, oh, it would be util- utility in that knowledge. Mm-hmm. There would be a utility for me to go see, you know, contemporary dance shows or contemporary circus shows when I want to create work in that field myself, even let's say, I mean, hopefully I am curious about that, but let's say I'm not, maybe I still can see some utility in it. Well, we can take this to the extreme and you can please stop me if I'm wrong here, but I wanted to ask you the first thing that comes to my mind when you say that is you don't even have to look outside yourself or your own field. I know, plenty of jugglers who are performers and creators and they refuse to watch juggling there you go. intentionally i mean on you know very very consciously they say no i don't want to be subtly influenced by anybody else so therefore i'm i'm going to willfully be i'm going to say the word ignorant i'm going to be willfully ignorant do you have i mean yeah i think that has to do with self-esteem a lot of times mm. because it's like you're okay. into something you're in a process and you 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 know you position yourself you know against your peers and what's already existing in the field and when you're in a process like that maybe you if you don't have the greatest you know self-confidence maybe if you then go and see a performance that's fantastic and that everybody else thinks is fantastic uh, then maybe it's going to feel like that position is going to be very difficult to conquer Right. I just think so you want to shut yourself out from that and just like, no, I'm just going to focus on the work and try to do my best, you know? Sure. I mean, so do you see any I mean, do you see some good in that? Have you ever done that yourself where you're where you've had that desire to be like, no, I just want to go away from everything and I need to be alone? And no, I'm I'm not. That's not the way I'm inclined personally. Like, yeah, I've always been very you know, interested in information and things like that. So I've kind of looked at it from the opposite perspective. I want to really make sure that if I'm working on something, I want to know all the, all the things that are out there that's related to that. So I don't make something that's, you know, just a bleak, uh, (laughs) you know, copy, or I, even if I haven't seen it, you know, it's just like, Oh, someone else had always 
had already worked in that kind of direction and they got way further than, exactly. than I did. Like, exactly. Because it's always much easier to take other people's steps. To you take those steps yourself, you have to put in a lot of work. So maybe I, you know, I just get, you know, a few steps along the process and then you find, oh, there's someone else who they've been active in this field for, you know, 10 years and they're way ahead. Yeah. And, so. but, but the extension of that, which I've seen two or three times in my life, which were, it was kind of devastating uh, to those people involved was that sure, this other person is, is light years ahead of you and whatever it was, you ended up, you know, making a derivative of that work. The problem is uh, we're in a com- we are in a community. We're in a relationship with each other. And it just so happened that you, you're under, you, you, you willingly climb under a rock for 10 years and you emerge and go, hey, I made this thing. And everybody goes, oh yeah, you're doing Eric's thing. And you go, no, 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 no. This is a thing I just made under this rock for 10 years. And they go, oh, but Eric's been doing that for three years now. He's really famous for doing that thing. Yeah. Right? And so even if even if there is a, whatever you want to say, pureness or truth, or I don't even know the right word to this process that you're having, this truth of discovery. Uh, I just want to point out that you're, you're not in the world alone. I mean, as long as you are in the world alone, or as long as you are in a community that can be closed or sectioned off or controlled or something, and you can control the, the experiences of that group, then I think you're good to go. But you have to realize that if you willingly shut yourself away, when you reemerge, there is a community to engage and you have to you have to deal with that. And sometimes it's not the the answer you want to hear. Right. Yeah, that's that's exactly summarizes how I felt about it. I did not want to be in that position where I, you know, come out with something and turns out someone else had already done it. And plus more, you know, that would seem like a waste of time for me. And also, I don't. Uh, I know that that's also been a defense for someone that's been like, yeah, but I've been under this rock for five years working on my thing. Mm-hmm. And now when I came out, I found out that someone else had already done it. Yeah. But then, you know, like I didn't know of them because I was under the rock. Mm. That has ne- that holds zero uh, legitimacy. Leg- legitimacy legitimacy but also i mean for me for me personally but let's let's even say that was let's say that you were you did find that very legitimate you still have to find out that information you know there's still a communication of that context which is really which is also normally missing it's it's hard to know you see something these days on youtube or facebook or instagram right and you you don't have that backstory um and i mean the other thing is that i'm i think I, i feel like you but i'm also a really obsessive personality i find it really hard to relate to this idea i always think about it i mean when i was younger i had my favorite band and you know i had i had friends who were also maybe fans of that same band but you know i would look up the the band member names and i would find out if they had side projects and i would listen to those albums and then in those albums they had different musicians and i would trace this you know this kind of rabbit hole that we say nowadays, you know, oh, I was on YouTube, went down the rabbit hole on YouTube of trade, you know, clicking links. But I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm just like, hey, I love this music. Why would I not want to find out everything I can about every facet of it? And I think that definitely just went into my juggling as well. And that's kind of maybe what you're saying a little bit that you, you have this curiosity about everything to. Yeah, I mean, I think also. It starts off with, you know, you also get an experience when you go down that line and you manage to make some utility out of that information. I think after you've had that experience, then you're really like, 
oh, this is awesome. This is very, very uh, productive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, well, maybe we already covered this, but uh, there was, an, you know, we started off talking about a couple of of quotes of yours I had written down. Um, but here was another one that you said, and maybe, like I said, we've already, we've already kind of passed it, but I don't know. Let's see. It says, you, you, you had said, um, not too long ago, you said, I feel we're on the verge of a breakthrough with the definition and the understanding of what juggling is. And you said, now I can look at juggling and know what it is. So what's next in that process? We talked a little bit, a little bit about that now, but do you have anything else to add about what might be next now um, that you have this overview of juggling and... Well, yeah, I guess you can, if that's, if that's a true statement, if that's the case, I mean, that's, that was a feeling that I had inside of me. And of course, everybody has to, you know, see where they, how they feel about it. But, but I felt like the the most obvious thing when you, when you start to reach a place like that, where you are, you have some kind of consciousness and you have some kind of overview is you start to see you know, what are the, are there blind spots here? Mm. Are there unexplored fields here? There's things like that that I think could be very, uh, very useful and very interesting to look at. And not just, not just as explorations, but also just as, you know, philosophical conversations. Like if we take a very easy one, for example, with juggling, is that, okay, we have these three standardized props now, balls, clubs, and rings, why those three out of you know all the you know the infinite number of shapes that that could have been uh, could have been juggled and i mean that's that's you know that's some of the work that you and i did with the rdl for example and i think that's the kind of thinking that that generated that question of of the fourth shape and i don't mean that the the fourth shape wasn't an that was not a question about just finding a fourth object, but I think it was about finding a fourth object that had as much utility as a ball or a ring or a club has had. Well, I don't know. For me, the fourth shape was just a conceptual idea that brought up maybe not so much the actual shape itself, but a revert. Like if you if you look in that process in the opposite direction. It wasn't so much about looking forward to, hey, let's literally find this fourth shape. It was more kind of trying to backtrack and analyze, like you just said, how how come it became the ball club in the ring, and not only the ball. And just to just to say, part the big thing of the ball club in the ring is that it's kind of universally uh, related to by the community. Hmm. So it's not even so much about this this idea, and and that that became very important later on with your when you were talking about the definition of juggling. You know that turns out to be. It's something that's that's uh, formulated by the community, and how can you intentionally engage the community in a certain direction? I don't think I don't I don't have an answer to that, but that was the thing that I became aware of, and I said, "Oh, okay, let's make the fourth shape." And that it, again, it was just this instigation, this thought experiment kind of. Um, it wasn't so much about making a physical prop. It was fun to think about what that fourth shape would actually literally be in terms of a. a a creation and in a, in a forward thinking process, but as a more of a retrospective or kind of thought process to kind of trace back and go, wait a second. And, 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 and you do know how a lot of those, the ball club and ring evolved. Now you have the history of clubs, the development of clubs. Mm-hmm. And again, that's, that's a process that I have to say when I started off juggling and I never thought, I never fathomed you could, 
you could know that concretely. And you don't even, you not only do you just know it, you have a collection now of clubs of every, right? Of every step of the evolution of making a club. And so I think that's fascinating as a, as a, as a, as something to understand, but it's also how did the culture evolve to support that, those, those shapes as well and the relationship to them and the depth of the technique and all these things, yeah. the, the popularity totally. of, of them. Totally. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think also like, yeah, the que- that question, like, okay, juggling is, is, is conscious and, and we have this over you. What's, what's the next step? I mean, it, it also has to do with, with information and language and, and uh, documentation that, you know, how do we, okay, all these things are perhaps knowable now, mm. but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have language to talk about it in detail. Right. And I mean, that's the definition of juggling. It's connected to that, but it's also connected to the first topic that, that you brought up about the, um, the, the experience and observation and consciousness mm-hmm. uh, that the definition, I think that was also the approach when I went into that, you know, that, that uh, area of, of, of trying to fi- figure that out is it was, it was a, the approach was observation like what's going on here in terms of just observation. And when you do that and you, you, you try to look at juggling and look at how people talk and look also how the community and the activities in that community, how they are structured. And that's when I, that's when I figured this thing out that there, we have this umbrella group concept of juggling, which is present in so much of what we do in the culture of juggling and how we speak about it. For an example, we go to a juggling festival. We uh, can look in a catalog of juggling equipment. Mm. We can read a book about the history of juggling, right? All those, the way that juggling is dealt with in all those instances as a, is as a umbrella group activity. It's a, it's an overarching activity thing that is an overarching concept that contains many different things like just like the equivalent in some place else in language you have sports and sports contains mm. all the specific activities like soccer baseball basketball etc mm. so in juggling we have the same situation we have this umbrella group concept and no matter what you're going to call want to call that you can just call that you know x for now if you don't want to call it juggling if if it's wrong to call it juggling it still exists in the community it still exists in the culture and mm. therefore there is a utility of having a word for that in language when we speak about it yeah and you you're not speaking about a, a a value judgment here of it being good or bad hey it's called juggling well that's bad or that's good it's just it's just how the world's constructed right and you got to confront that yeah you observe that in the culture and in the in the community and you and you you can see that that's clearly the case and then you see okay how do people speak about that whether that language is right or wrong and what you find then is that there's the evidence the evidence of that is that the word that's used for this umbrella group activity is juggling in many cases i mean in many you, you cases. can point to that concretely yeah. right you can point to that concretely whether and, you whether you agree with it or not exactly. whether you think it's a good idea or not Exactly. It's, ir- it's irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, it's irrelevant for now. It's it's there, 
that's how people speak and then you can go okay what are we going to do with that yeah are we not going to deal with it that's how we've always dealt with it you go no but that's wrong mm-hmm. juggling is n plus one more objects than the amount of hands mm-hmm. you know yeah and then you were in that fun place again and and we can ob- absolutely continue doing it like that but but my approach was like okay let's observe it let's analyze it where do we get and if we can be honest about that place mm. if we can be honest about the observation mm. and the analysis then what and that's the interesting question i don't find it interesting to to just go no you're wrong or you're wrong or you're that's the wrong way of saying it because or i don't like it <laughs> or i don't like it yeah. you know <laughs> yeah well, you said, I mean, about this, this, I feel we're on the verge of a breakthrough and with the definition on understanding juggling and what's next in the process. And you had said um, that maybe you could start to fill in the holes or, or you have this overview. So then there's maybe missing, missing sections like you did with your head roll process, right? Where you said, oh, this is a family of tricks and it's missing four, missing four parts maybe. And so this is something I've talked about a million times, but I'll just say it one more time, which is that. Yeah, a bunch of years ago, I wanted to have what I called a map of juggling, but I meant a map of juggling technique, techniques, so not culture and not history or, or whatever as a whole, the world of juggling, but more just tricks. Hey, let's write down every single trick you can do with three balls. It's right, write down every single trick that's possible with four balls. And of course, in one way, like you were talking uh, again in your process uh, discussion about the period, the length of the period, are we talking four throws, five throws, six throws? Um, because then obviously the list is infinite if you don't specify the period. But so I get it that it's maybe a, a bit of a, just a, again, a thought experiment or a conceptual idea to, to go. But the reason, uh, so I, I kind of started that list at one point, I actually worked on it for a while and I was doing a lot of, of teaching a lot of uh, master classes around whatever in France and wherever else back around 20 years ago. And so I worked a lot with a lot of the students to try to expand this list. And I think there was this um, impression that, hey, let's make this map. I, I called it a map for whatever reason, but make, let's make this list of tricks so that we can. So maybe when I meet you, there's tricks on that list that you you didn't you didn't remember. You're, oh, so cool. Yeah. Oh, there's that three ball trick. I forgot about that one or I never heard of that one. That the idea to make the list was to more to make a catalog of what was there so that you can uh, you can also have the complete list, right? But I never wanted that map to know what was already done. I wanted that map to know what was missing. Because mm. my idea was to have, like, if you imagine the, the globe, like a globe of the world, and you would have the continents be, you know, one continent is ball juggling and the other continent is club juggling. My question then, and you have all those tricks written down and the techniques written down. The question is, what lies in the ocean between those those continents? That was my symbolic goal of this map, and that just you just reminded me of that with what you were saying. Basically, the same thing with this idea of you know maybe what's next with this understanding what juggling is. It's to fill in the to fill in the holes there. Yeah, I think that I think it's to fill in the holes and to uh, be able to do connections. Well, so talking about this idea uh, about the definition and I don't want to go more into the definition you already like you were talking about that this this idea of how the world is constructed and you just want to observe that and you have to confront that reality and hopefully we can get to that place and then have a productive conversation from there um 
one thing that always comes to mind uh, recently, since we did that last uh, podcast season, and we, we, I think, what, our first three episodes were about the definition somehow. Um, but since then, one thing that really struck me that co- keeps coming back to my mind again and again uh, was that if you're into music, for example, and you meet somebody and you're, you're talking to them and it comes up, what do you do or whatever, right? And they go, oh, well, I do, I, I'm, I'm a musician or I, I, do, I play music. There's general, there's, there's, we have in our society, in our culture, language by which to continue that uh, discussion. So if, you, if I meet you and I don't know you and you say you do music and then I also do music, I don't just automatically assume that you and I do the same thing. I go, oh, Eric plays music and I play music. We're the same. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of different words. I mean, so, oh, what, what do you mean you play music? What, what do you play? And you can say, oh, I'm a DJ. And then you can ask me what I play. And I say, I play the violin. That's a very different style of playing already there in terms of just instruments and genre and style and process and in terms of how you practice and in terms of how you approach those different kinds of ways to play music. It's a completely different world, right? Different audiences, different uh, markets, different uh, whatever, uh, different process. And so music, I mean, as does a bunch of other things in the world, but music has a lot of of, of language uh, developed around. I mean, what's really fun is if you want to go to Wikipedia and just search, you know, genres of music, and then you get these really fun, crazy genres that are these micro genres of you know, 8-bit, retro, funk, disco, punk, garage, you know, scooter, whatever crazy thing you've never heard of. But there's a language there and it's written on Wikipedia. So now we're talking about this idea of the technical language, which we had talked about in, in these definition discussions and those, that other, those other podcast episodes. So I don't, wanna, I don't necessarily say that I want to start talking about a technical language again, but I do want to bring up a related thing uh, I, I had a conversation with Kyle Driggs uh, this past year I wanted to, to talk to you about. And basically, Kyle and I were talking in relationship to what I just told you about music, where you meet someone and, oh, you do music, I do music, we do the same thing. That's kind of happening, or what, what this is a question for you. Do, I think that's kind of happening with the word circus, for example, or juggling. That that's more commonly happens that, oh, you do circus, I do circus. And then in your mind, you're doing the same thing as that other person. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, you probably think that you more have than some music, shared experience. More than music, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I would say so. And what about juggling? Oh, you juggle and I juggle. Do you think there's a... We share something there that's share common. Share something more than two people who maybe. both do music, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we were talking about... Um, this idea of having a new a new word for circus or a new word for juggling. And again, we know the process of that is maybe um, in the larger picture is impossible that you, you can't individually force a new, uh, a new definition for a pre-existing word. I mean, there's been a lot of attempts in the past to um, invent a new term and kind of publicize that. Like there was new vaudeville up in New England and that was pretty successful. They made a new, they made a whole new market and genre called new vaudeville. It, I don't, maybe it's even still going on, but it was a really conscious effort to say, hey, we're doing something new here. We want to have a new term for it. It's in a certain style. It has relationships to these other things. Like we were talking uh, about folk circus previously, right? Yeah. You're trying to associate with different things and you say, okay, we're doing new vaudeville and not just leaving it at that, but 
aggressively promoting that term and explaining that term and working with that term and and public yeah yeah well publicizing it and 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 what what not so getting to the point here uh, again because this is this is still about a technical language or or a definition but one thing I when I was thinking when I was talking to Kyle about this idea of having a new word for circus through my discussion with him I uncovered. I uncovered, I had a new understanding about circus and juggling, which I had never had before. And I wondered what you say about this. So I was thinking about, you know, oh, we're going to have a new word for circus. Well, what's different about the circus we're doing now than the, what's wrong with using the word circus or, or how can we disambiguate even further or be more specific about our language when we're talking about what kind of circus we do. And one thing that that occurred to me, which maybe you're just going to laugh because it's just so simple and obvious to you, but it took me, well, my whole life up until now to figure this out, is that I think a lot of people, when they think about the word circus or juggling, I think you can cha- change those words back and forth. They're basically thinking about a bunch of tricks. I realized that, you know, going back to this idea of observing how people are using language, for example, in a circus school, oh, I'm going to go to school for circus. What do you do in that school? Well, you learn a bunch of tricks. You learn a bunch of techniques. And the more I looked around uh, this past year after talking to Kyle, and the more I talked to people and kind of paid attention to how they were using the word circus and juggling, I think they kind of, you know, I do circus. What they meant was I do a bunch of tricks in a certain, I mean, for sure there was more to it than that. It wasn't as simplified as I just do tricks. There was a context, there was a presentational style probably, Um, there was maybe, it was maybe inside of a narrative, but the trick was kind of the core of the meaning of those words for me that I was looking at. And I realized that for myself, when I was growing up or, or even now, uh, when I thought about circus or the word juggling, I thought of, I thought of it more as a performance. And so I was really kind of, uh, well, a little bit shocked to think that when somebody else was saying the word circus, they were just talking about a bunch of tricks. Just, I mean, I don't put a value judgment, but I mean, I was talking on a different level and, and and we don't need to place a value on those levels that it's right or wrong or better or worse. But I was just like, oh yeah, circus is a performance and juggling is a performance because again, and that's, 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 that goes back to those assumptions I had when I started with juggling that were just kind of unconsciously handed to me. Like I, I've told this story a million times. You're so sick of it. You're juggling three balls, throw one, throw two, now throw three, and then smile. Mm. It's this unconscious assumption. I mean, go back and read the old Juggler's World magazines, right? Those articles are pretty, I mean, it's pretty crazy to go back and read them now in in light of how the culture has evolved away from this overarching uh, performance context. Mm. But so many of those old articles, it's just like, okay, so... Now we're going to do a tutorial on, you know, club passing. So when you go on stage, you want to have, this is all these little subtle clues of like when you go on stage and your costume and your music, and then you have to, when you, when you look at the audience, you blah, blah, blah. And I grew up in that culture. And I think now something about that culture has either shifted or I don't know, maybe I met people from a different context or something, but they, when they're talking about, going to circus school, for example, I don't think they're necessarily as a priority or as a primary uh, drive that they're talking about performance as circus as a performance on that level of the larger scale. 
but rather on a more uh, yeah smaller periods of time about tricks or techniques that's what they're learning and then the, then the assumption is they're going to use those tricks and techniques to do performance for sure but that's not what they're learning in the school circus school is not a performance school i don't know yeah i mean circus that word has gone into i i usually say it's a, it's a it's a four it's a development in four steps so you start with circus and then what it means you know back in 1700s it's a venue it's a place mm. you know you, it's a it's a tent it's a theater you go to the circus it's directly related to the roman conception of a circular or elliptical building mm. that's the circus mm. and then eventually you know what takes place in that building or tent or uh, open field is some kind of a performance and the, the performance then adopts that name so it's the performance that is talked about as the circus mm. so it goes from a place or a house into a performance what happens then is then that that performance consists of people doing things and they are the circus artists so the general word the for the a generalizing word for their general activity would then be circus mm. so it's the third step this that circus becomes the activity and then the fourth step that i that, that i observed quite recently is that speak of circus as a community or as a scene like i met someone and they they asked me uh is there circus in stockholm right and i realized thinking like oh what's this person you know talking about but when thinking about it more i was like oh they mean like are there people you know practicing hanging out hanging out maybe there's an open stage that kind of th thing. So is there a circus scene or a circus community? Shared culture. So that yeah. is shared culture, yeah. So then that's that's what the circus uh, means. Right. And and I'm not saying any of these are right or wrong. It's just observing that that's, yeah. that's what's been taking place. Uh, so in terms of what you're saying now is you, you're very much approaching circus as an activity. Right. It's tricks, it's right. an activity, it's things you do. That is what the circus is, right? Mm. So then it's like, okay, should there be a new word for... <laughs> so please rephrase that. Yeah, no, it was, just, it was just a funny little transition into what you were just talking about. But basically this idea that when you meet... Again, you meet somebody and you say, oh, I do music, I do music. We're doing the same thing. Mm. That's happening in circus all the time. Right. Even mm. even in Stockholm or, 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 or yeah, this past summer, I'm going to see people do shows because people know you, you experience this firsthand all the time in your life. Uh, people know that you do circus, yeah, whatever, whatever in the world that means. I do circus. Yeah. 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 Well, that's yeah. No, mm -hmm. you do circus. So they go, oh, Eric, there's a circus show. You want to go see it? Mm. I have a lot of people telling me that all the time. Don't you? I mean, it's just a natural thing of. Yeah. Hey, you do circus. I know Eric is associated somehow with circus. I saw this thing the other day. It was called circus. I better tell Eric about it. My friend Eric, he does circus. Yeah. And this word, this thing here has the word circus. It's the same thing. And this past summer, I went to see a bunch of circus shows. And I was just struck by how completely different f what they were doing from what I'm doing. Just completely. It could not be, it could not be more different. 
And it still has this umbrella term of circus or juggling or whatever. And uh, yeah, I, I, it was just a, it was just that observation. Of- yeah, I think it's a difficult it's a difficult process because you can make you can make such a distinction yourself. Like, okay, yeah. what I'm doing is very different from this other thing, and we're both go under this general term of circus. Uh, but if you wanna, if if you see that as a problem, let's say, let's say it's a problem, and then you yes. wanna change that. So I should actually be called circus, you know, A, and that should be called circus B, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you do that? Well, if you just suddenly start to call yourself, you know, I mean, that's a little bit to the conversation we had yesterday: real circus or true circus or yeah, whatever it is, right? First of all, people don't know what that is without a it's, without a description. It's not a thing, yeah. Which might be fine. You might uh, maybe you can start a little movement in your town, and we do you know folk circus, mm-hmm. and eventually everybody knows what that is. So that in you know around there, and when you come to a festival, at least people may, might have seen that term before, or you're in such a such a context where people where there's a curiosity for new things. And then it's maybe it's a good thing that people don't know what's exactly. meant by this term. Yeah, the ambiguity is definitely something that you trade upon. Yeah, in, so in you marketing. could do that. Yeah. But then you might have a producer who is, and I've been in this situation myself where uh, I was working on a show and the producer was very, uh, you know, demanded that the, the poster should say that it was a new circus show. Oh, okay. It should be new circus. Mm. And we, the artists who were making the performance, we weren't so comfortable mm. with that label on the show. We didn't feel that it resonated with what we were doing necessarily. Mm. So it had one meaning to us and another meaning for the producer. And the audience out in that town <laughs> where the show's going to be sold, yeah, they, they probably, you know... That had a, it was another meaning. Yeah, or, or, or not. Or not. No it's meaning. Just no meaning. <laughs> Nonsense. It, the only meaning it had to them was like, oh, this is, you know, some kind of association of the words that the label is comprised of. Yeah. And then you're going to try to make something out of it. So, so that game of creating new terms is, is very difficult and complex. So, well, what I took out of the conversation with Kyle wasn't, wasn't the act, wasn't so much, it was, I mean, there was that there there was the concrete discussion of hey, should could there be a different word for circus for what, like you say, this kind of circus is versus the other kind of circus, and how can you communicate that? But I took it more as nowadays when I see or I hear someone else is doing circus or someone else is doing juggling, I just stop comparing myself to them automatically, unconsciously, because that's what I did my whole life. Even you, oh, Eric's a juggler, oh, Jay's a juggler. Or if I go if I go see your work now, I mean, oh, Eric's doing some juggling. I just I just stop thinking we're doing the same thing. I just don't assume we're doing the same thing. I I'm I have to wait and see what you're doing, and then I can understand what's going on and where I, how I relate to that. If my work does relate to that, or how it's positioned, or how it whatever the context of it. I mean, I mean, if you're if you're comfortable with giving a brief explanation to your little new term, I think that's a, that's a possible solution. Sure. But every yeah, I'm doing this, and well, but you're just conscious that nobody knows what that nobody's familiar with that term, so therefore you give you know the one paragraph explanation. 
Well, I think the fun thing out of all this too is you just do that at least for yourself. Oh yeah. That was such a benefit of me of having this conversation with Kyle's. I had to go away and think about, okay, if I'm not doing quote unquote circus, if I'm not doing juggling, what am I doing um, specifically, you know, beyond whatever those words mean at the moment in the larger picture. And I remember, for example, um, well, I struggled this, I struggled with this, I've struggled with this whole conversation, this conversation my whole life. I mean, have you, or is this, is this ever been a thing in your life of figuring out what to call your work? I mean, you just said this it, producer. It started was... when I started making performances. Right. Yeah. And you were, you had to work with a specific promotion yes. person or so, theater. Yeah. So in terms of that, especially, you know, I grew up in America and then struggling with that in America, um, at some point I was up in Maine and we had a newspaper review of a show we did. And they said, oh, the, these people were doing some postmodern juggling. Mm-hmm. And, and so we started advertising ourselves as being postmodern jugglers. And then at one point we had a journalist come to us and say, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're calling yourself postmodern juggling. What's modern juggling? <laughs> what are you even doing here? And the thing that we liked about it was the complete confusion of postmodern juggling. It totally took it outside of what we we thought was the associations with just the word juggling. And, and then I remember this conversation kept going on with uh, Luke Wilson and then Luke called his, his work modern juggling. Mm. And that was pretty cool too. And so for, for a bunch of years, we were always searching for a term to really describe what we did. And I think for me, um, people ask me this all the time today. I mean, I mean, in our, in our work, they're always saying, so what do you, what would you call yourself? What do you do? I say, I'm a juggler. Like that's what I've come to after all these years of all these adjectives and this struggle of trying to communicate. Oh, I'm a juggler. And lots of times you'll have that conversation with a journalist now or whoever. And they'll say, yeah, but you do so much more than that. I'm like, well, do I? I don't know. For me, juggling is this. So that's what I do. And I'm a juggler. Well, I mean, one thing I guess you could do is you can import. Term, and I think that's what people do in circus. You kind of import these uh, adjacent, you know, t- terms to from dance or theater for example right where, where perhaps you have uh you have these specified um ca- subcategories of theater and of dance so you can talk about contemporary dance you can talk about modern dance you can you know mm-hmm. and then you could say okay well i do contemporary circus or something like that and then that might be possible then for a person to have some kind of association that gives them a, a somewhat of a direction of where to think and how to think about you. Um, yeah, you see a lot of posturing with that these days with trying yeah. to gain credibility and validity and justification for by 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 using borrow, borrowing these terms from different art forms that are already established and that have a credibility that you can kind of surf on or you know grab onto and be like, yeah, I'm like this other thing that you think is cool. So then therefore this is also cool. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah, I was quite recently. I was in in a in a conversation with someone, who, and they um, they described themselves as uh, inaccurate fortune teller. Okay. <laughs> that was pretty. That was a pretty good term. I thought. Nice. I'm gonna do yeah. inaccurate fortune telling circus. Yeah. Then, <laughs> inaccurate circus. Maybe that's what we should. Yeah, do. yeah, yeah. Inaccurate not circus. Bad. That's not bad. That's a good one. Well, kind of related to all this, uh, you know, Ivar Heckscher. He said he's been saying for years, for years, he's been saying this at least ten years, if not more, that he said juggling is no longer part of circus. 
Okay. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit because when he first started saying that, it's like everything Ivar says. When it comes out of his mouth, it sounds really profound and amazing and it makes a lot of sense and you're in his you're in his aura and his zone of Ivar Heksher land and you're just impressed. Like, wow, who says stuff like that? Juggling's no longer part of circus. It means it used to be and now it's not. And it's like a it just kind of blows your mind and 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 then you kind of leave his presence and then you're kind of left uh feeling like feeling confused sometimes. And so um I was always thinking to myself, you know, I think it's really cool Ivar says these these provocative, you know, provocative statements or whatever. But, you know, inside myself, I was always just like, well, of course, juggling is part of circus. It literally is because the history of how things evolved is it, it came with circus. There was the association and, you know, there's the whole history of juggling and is definitely entwined with circus um, at various points. I mean, no doubt. And so you can't ever take that away because history can't, you know, you're not going to rewrite history just because you say juggling, juggling is, is, isn't circus anymore. But now I have to say, and, and he said it so many times over so many years that I kind of start to believe him now. And uh, I think two or three or four years ago, I, I'm kind of with them. I, I would also say juggling is no longer part of circus, um, though in a pretty a clear context for me. And I, I, can, I can share that with you in a second, though. I can kind of argue why. Maybe it's Yeah, not. I mean, a couple of things come to my mind. Like Eva, he's kind of like the circus oracle that we go to <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> but uh there's this you know i'm sure you're familiar with this in the past like when you speak something into existence sure and i, I do think that that kind of works both ways you you have a hunch about something and mm. you speak about it mm. and if that sticks you're gonna speak about it some more and it's kind of Mm. feeds off of that and if it's if it wasn't true you're gonna stop speaking about it right so i think that just for the f- simple fact that you kept he kept saying it <laughs> and you kept listening <laughs> yeah. there's probably something to it i can definitely relate to it but i don't i don't see it as a general truth sure well let, let me let me kind of explain expand a little bit and you can see how if you relate to it in the same way but just a little bit more context about Ivar that's so cool about this dude is he's not a juggler and he's not a circus dude. But what he is, is a, he's, a, he's an educator and he's an artist. And this guy knows his art history as well as you know your juggling history. And so it's not out of nowhere that he just says random things. I mean, there is some sort of viewpoint he has that's very specific. And also the other thing is he said this statement many times in 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 the context of a circus school as well. And I think that's kind of particular to this idea. Mm. So when I look around at, um, maybe not specifically just a circus uh, school education environment, but just circus in general, I can start to notice uh, some differences, obviously. So for example, you can say that, um, especially, you know, talking, when he started saying this about 15, you know, whatever, 10, 12, 15 years ago, there was juggling, there were juggling festivals. I don't see so many tight wire festivals or teeterboard festivals or handstand festivals. I, I mean, it, of course I'm generalizing. Of course 
there's been meetings of Tightwire. I mean, they have these FedEx meetings. This, this, this. Uh, what does FedEx stand for? I mean, it's the Federation. Federation Européenne, blah blah blah. C'est école cirque. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Circus School Association. Yeah, yeah. and so they have, uh, have. I don't know if they still do, but they at least they had a lot of symposiums where it's like, hey, we're gonna do Chinese poll meeting week, and then everybody who does Chinese poll from all the schools they come and gather. It's like a juggling festival, right? Yeah. But juggling festivals, I mean, they they date back to well beyond that, <laughs> well beyond the FedEx Association. Yeah, I mean, nineteen forty seven. Exactly. So you can start to say that juggling, and if you just want to line up the disciplines of circus in a row and have juggling be one of those disciplines, you can start to say, I think, pretty easily that juggling has a, a little bit of a deeper culture than a lot of the other disciplines. Can you say that? I mean, at least also yeah, from depending on which perspective you choose to look at. Exactly. But, but, but definitely from that side of things. Yes. And then you can start to say that, you know, in terms of practitioners of juggling, you have a lot of hobbyists. I don't think there's a lot of hobbyist teeterboard. I mean, again, I don't want to get stuck on definition of hobbyist versus professional. Mm. But what I mean is casual, you could say, or amateur. I don't know. Yeah. Casual teeterboard practitioners. That's kind of an odd idea. Right. Like, because, yeah, just because you need equipment and infrastructure. And that's another obvious difference is that the physicality of juggling, um, not only in terms of the equipment needed and the environment needed, is it's very flexible flexible compared to a lot of the other. Like think if you're doing flying trapeze, man, you got to rig that flying trapeze up with the net, and there's this whole infrastructure that goes with yeah, it. Yeah, but it's pretty common now in the park. People do is it zip line? They call it no. What's it called? Slack, oh, slack line. Slack, slack line. Maybe something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You just put find two trees and sure, you know, sure. Do your thing. Yeah. yeah, and that and that's a great example because there there is a there is a ease of technique there in terms of of the infrastructure. You can just you can just sling this up between two trees, right? You don't need rigging points and whatever crash mats and whatever else but there's also the physical part of juggling where you can um well i can i mean when i was well i don't know 14 15 16 17 18 i juggled 18 hours a day i mean sometimes for real i mean it stretches at a time and at least eight hours a day um every day and i you know again i don't do teeterboard i'm not an acrobat but i just can't imagine you can do teeterboard eight hours a day I mean, there's just a physicality to juggling that's different than these, a different rhythm than these other disciplines. Well, I mean, that's, that has to do with what, what's generally done in teeterboard. You could, of course, do teeterboard mm. for 12 hours a day if you wanted. It would just look, right. it would just be look another different. type of teeterboard. There you go. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, maybe a type of teeterboard. Because yeah, I could also say the same. You can't, you can't juggle 11 balls for 18 hours a day. Well, I don't know. You ever been to the catacombs in Berlin before the fire? I saw some people trying to do that. <laughs> Not very successfully, but I definitely saw people... Yeah, but yeah, I'm to... sure you could do a teeterboard unsuccessfully, <laughs> unsuccessfully for 18 hours too. But that's where I disagree because when I drop my, my 11 balls for 18 hours, I don't like snap my neck and die. Whereas like teeterboard, it's a little... I just mean, there's, there's also the physical risk too. I mean, of the, yeah. the physicality of that. Anyway... But just to say, I think you can line up those disciplines and start to say that, hey, juggling is uh, is maybe not like the other disciplines in, in, in terms of these very practical matters. But I don't think Ivar is really talking about those kinds of things when he says that juggling is no longer part of circus. I think he has a, a, a different sort of more spiritual <laughs> attitude. But do you have any relation? Like, would, do you want to share any relation you have to this statement? If Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think 
that there is something about juggling just if you look at the nature of it and the you know just the raw components of what juggling consists of there's certain things that perhaps are slightly different than acrobatics so in juggling you have i mean the obvious difference is you have objects sure a teeter board is an object but it's not um there's not that many kinds of teeter boards if you compare to how many kinds of just juggling balls there are, you know? Mm. So there's that. And also the teeter board itself is not part of the visual image to the same extent as a juggling ball is to the visual image of the created juggling. Mm. So I think there's something about the nature of juggling that, that uh, creates a certain specificity that, that makes juggling special just, just because how it's constructed you know yeah and there's certain components there that perhaps then can be related to things that are outside of the circus and those relations are not as easy to draw from the other circus disciplines mm. and i think perhaps that's what ivar is on to you know yeah. like he has made those observations and you can see that there's materials in juggling there's objects in juggling there's color in juggling there's uh yeah Mm. details to another degree perhaps i mean it starts to get a little bit fuzzy because you have what juggling is and you have what acrobatics is Mm. and then you have what juggling could be potentially and what acrobatics could be potentially yeah but so if we don't go into that land if we just stick in with what reality looks like yeah we don't go into potential then I I think it's easier to draw lines to what what's special about juggling that isn't as uh, frequent in in other disciplines. And if those special things then can be related, uh, you know, directly or indirectly to things outside of circus in a more potent way than than for another circus discipline. Yeah, then I think it's a very true statement. I know I know this is really personal and it's all really interpretive and and it's it's not like a universal statement or just an assumption that we all have the shared goal of this the shared relationship but I just want to say but I know when Ewer was talking about this um I started thinking about again because he was the director of the circus school and we were teaching in the circus school you were, you were teaching in the circus school too and this idea of uh what what should be what should be taught, <laughs> what should be taught, what should be, what should be the content. And then I started to think that, okay, if juggling isn't really no, a long, it's no longer part of circus in the, in the way maybe it used to be, is it, is it more a part of something else instead of circus? And I actually started looking at the format of an education of, of maybe what an optimal, if, if there is such a thing, an optimal education for juggling might be. I think it's much more closely related to an art school experience or elements of an art school at least. And I thought that was kind of a fun thing that I, now I have this little fantasy in my head where I'm like, oh yeah, maybe juggling is more like, because, because there's that, there's that, there's that moment of like, well, it's no longer part of circus. So that means it's on its own, but maybe it's not, maybe it's just part of, maybe it's more closely related to something else that's already there that can give you some, some good, some benefit of, of associating, you know, for example, with an art education or, trying to find the place of if juggling is no longer part of circus, don't just assume that it means that juggling is doing its own thing, but maybe it's, maybe it just belongs somewhere else too. That's could 
I don't know. It's a little funny, funny thing I think about sometimes. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, it's also, of course, you can think about if this aligns to juggling in general or just more your personal current, um, yeah. you know, situation with where you're at. But, mm. but either way, I can certainly make those uh, connections as well to a, an art school experience and, well, you know, investigations in color, investigations in materiality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it was, it's one of my favorite uh my favorite ideas ever is it's the micro motion, uh, you know, micro motion, like, ah, now I'm going to mess it all up. That <laughs> it's one of my favorite things, but that Michael strives to create something like the statue of David, that he dares to not saying that he, he, I'm not saying that Michael told me he has created work that's been that impactful, but that he has, I have heard him talk about that. That is something he would, he would like to do. He would like to create work that resonates as deeply as that statue that Michelangelo did, right? And I've never heard another juggler talk like that. That was just so inspiring that he would even dare to have the audacity to talk about juggling in the same sentence as Michelangelo. That was just stunning. I mean, it still is today. It just blows me away. And so I think it's really fun to say, oh, maybe juggling is no longer part of circus, but maybe the work I'm trying to make, again, this is all very associative and it's just it's just personal inspiration, but okay, instead of saying I'm going to try to compare my work to the quote-unquote greatest juggler, I'm going to compare myself to statue, you know, try to make something as timeless and as meaningful and impactful as the statue of David. That's pretty hardcore, man. <laughs> yeah, I do. I relate to that as well. I, and you could, of course, you could be like, well, the statue of David, that's pretty, um, you know, <laughs> over... Um, ambitious or or even like you have high thoughts about yourself if you if you mm. think you're gonna create I see what you mean. your little juggling thing is gonna be like the statue of david but it's presumptuous of you too yeah maybe yeah but but we don't have to we don't have to go there we don't have to evaluate it we could just look at it as a, as a method of, of of you're doing something and then as a method to explore this thing that you're doing, you recontextualize it. Right. So you go, well, what if juggling was like architecture? What if juggling was like art school? What if juggling was like, you know, insert whatever thing that you might find interest in, you know, or not, just as an experiment and see what happens. And I think that there also, like if if we say that juggling is no longer part of the circus, that's obviously not something we can just cha- say and it magically happens. Yeah. So I don't for sure. I don't think that it's anything that anybody has to worry about if mm. if if mm. they're unhappy with the statement, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No nobody has to worry about it and also we can we can see what is there any potential there? Is there anything that it uncovers? Does it ask suddenly new questions that are interesting so it is this it's this uh um, method to uncover potential i think that's what it is Hmm. well this past this past week you came to me all excited we're doing our shows here in denmark and you said hey last night i was thinking you know juggling's really cool (laughs) and i think that was so hilarious i was thinking about ivar's thing juggling's no longer part of circus and and then just one day we wake up and before we do the show, man, last night, you know, Jay, juggling is pretty cool. 
so what so what what were you thinking what you but you said something really nice about juggling that you were yeah. thinking about I, I i really liked it okay so i was thinking about juggling and then i was just thinking about juggling as it's in its raw form as just a uh you know investigation of the human experience of, of being alive being in reality mm. and then i was thinking like okay what is juggling well it is this investigation of of form and of movement and this interaction between the human body and materiality and then objects and and that's i think that is really cool that it has this internal external dimension and i was just so from that very narrow perspective of looking at it that way, I was just comparing it, you know, very briefly in my mind to, let's say, singing or or dancing. And, and singing is something you do with your body alone, you know. So from that perspective, it doesn't have the outside uh, dimension. It does not have an external dimension in the same way. I mean, you you could, of course, conceptualize it in another way, right? Sure. But from this very you know, <laughs> narrow way of conceptualizing it that I was playing with. Yeah. From that perspective, it juggling had an interior and an exterior dimension that, that created a symbiosis between those two, the inter- internal and the external. And I just realized that other things, other artistic activities do not have that. Mm. and then and and that's why i thought oh yeah man juggling is really cool like it has this external potential there there's a big potential there and there's it's also like that opens up to like a much greater depth of of complexity in that relationship because it has this this two-dimensionality and so that's where that uh that uh, yeah. statement came your, from, your excitement. from that. Well, yeah. I I liked it because as you as we've been talking about now, you you know we we do struggle with with how do we position ourselves, our relationship, our personal relationship to what is juggling and where we want it to go, our the externalization of our juggling and how do we relate to the world? How do we talk about it? Is it postmodern? <laughs> do we compare ourselves to Michelangelo? And and sometimes it, we get um, oh it's kind of frustrating. I have to say sometimes right. Um, but then it's really fun when you come in the morning and you're really excited and you're just like, man, juggling is super cool. And it is, it is super cool. And it does really remind me of, of all the things I really love about it. And I, and uh, I really appreciated when you, when you, when you said that. Um, yeah. So the other, con- the other thing that the next thought then was, okay, well, if juggling is cool, and exciting and complex <laughs> it and has this potential has this potential yeah then why is not juggling a very how should i say pr- uh, you know present thing in in society and mm. in the world why is it so mm. <laughs> rural or so remote in terms of just society you know right it's it's just uh, yeah it's just tucked away a little bit sure you don't see it if you just go into the, the a city or turn on your TV. It's very rare to find mm. juggling in those types of, of places. Okay, yeah, in everyday life, yeah. Yeah, so then I was just thinking, like, why is that? Why, mm. what is it about juggling that, that, uh, that has kind of not lived up to this potential maybe i'm confused maybe it doesn't have potential just just to say like there's i have to be open to that 
possibility as well. Mm. But I'm I was still you know investigating in my mind this thought of juggling has a lot of potential. It is really interesting just from the perspective of the human experience. So why doesn't it have a greater position in society? And then I was thinking about that and I was thinking, okay, well, maybe it's like um, it attracts people. But when you have something that is attractive, perhaps for those fundamental reasons, it also attracts people that will not perhaps cultivate it in in an interesting way. And what I was thinking about then was meditation. Hmm. Okay. And, and meditation to me is something like I'm not into meditation I've, I've tried it a few times and i've had good good experience with it but i i do not meditate on a regular basis and i I've, I've also not investigated just the information and the world of meditation very deeply hmm. just to say yeah and and my my little you know excursions that i have done in the world of meditation is that it seems to me is that it's filled with a lot of a lot of um, <laughs> uh, new agey kind of uh, crazy stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 when I had that, I was thinking like, okay, but maybe that's some kind of difference then between science and and art or science and and other things mm. that that science is this this uh, framework of, of very rigid rules and filters. So you take something like physics, which is very developed or comparably sure. to juggling. Sure. Then, so why has that been so developed? And well, perhaps it is because to, to some extent <laughs> that it's because that it's a scientific, it's been recognized as a scientific field. And then, you 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 have all these filters that kind of weed out a lot of well, there's the, the there's craziness. The, there's the culture around it. I mean, it's just the yeah. culture of how you how you investigate those things. I mean, I mean, physics. It's it's like there's a just just compare. I mean, it's funny to compare that to juggling. Just on the sheer you know the the historical side of of and 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 the number of practitioners. Again, going back to that idea of this this. Um, law of averages it's just an exponential beyond exponential uh number of people doing physics compared to juggling so yeah. it's, it's, it's even hard to even talk about almost yeah and i also want to say like i was not wishing in that moment that juggling was a science or mm -hmm. scientific field sure that's not at all the conclusion that i that i drew i was just thinking about it yeah you know um did you was there was that from the documentary you watched this week or something there was something else you were talking about um, right. Yeah. What was that? Uh, what was that? But that's okay if you don't, because there's there's the juggling. No, in... I know what it was. Okay. I know what it was. Good. No, no, I yeah. was watching a documentary about a circus show, mm. and I had this realization between, not not specifically because of this show, uh, or this uh, documentary, but mm. generally speaking, I made this comparison between performing and creating performances and mm. the culture around creating performances let's say about 20 years ago 25 years ago when i oh, yeah. kind of got into into it yeah that the performance which performance and performance creating i got the feeling that it was much more isolated f uh, from 
from kind of the practice life and the life outside of the mm. creation than what it is today. Today, I see when people are making shows mm-hmm. that it is integrated in the show making is also integrated somehow the life of making the shows and like the lifestyle and the lifestyle and like be and being a circus artist and everything that that kind of entails like it is so interesting for people now to be like oh you're you're this type of circus artist like how do you live how do you right what does that look like the reality of that has somehow been very much incorporated into circus show creation itself but do you mean do you mean to say some also in part that the process of making the show is also part of the content of the show Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that reminds it, it it reflects on the aesthetics and on costume and on totally. Uh, you know, content of the show and all of that has this it's this constant feedback loop between the creation and the life that kind of surrounds it. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of what you said before about that the the focus and no, I'm going to mess this up again, but that's why you're here to correct me, but the the focus of art used to be on what was created and now that's really shifted to the the focus being not necessarily on what's created but on who created it and i think that's also related to what you're just saying right totally is that what you said did i mess that up well not not just about the individual but also about just yeah the the greater reality that surrounds the creation of the performance has somehow mm. Yeah, it, it they're much more integrated now. Right. Yeah. And I think it maybe it's also about this, you know, like we like residencies was not really a thing when I started out and now it's ve- a very integral part of show creation, right? You go on a residence residence somewhere. Yeah. Uh, well, it's kind of you live there, you know. Yeah, I mean that's kind of funny too because I mean we we were talking before uh in your process, we talked about your process, we talked about going to circus school. And you were kind of on the cusp of that being the new thing that you could do. And nowadays, I mean, that is a very real possibility in that discussion of, hey, I want to be a circus performer. I want to be a juggler, whatever those things mean. Um, Well, I could go to circus school. Like that's an option. And it's the same thing now with the creating a show. Hey, I need to create a show. Well, got to get my residency. I feel a little bit similar rhythm or relationship there to the culture of like that. There's a system that's that's been established. There's these options that are suddenly kind of not default or you know or to be taken for granted but it's it's really uh it's in the air (laughs) it's like it's like the thing you do yeah so there's this life that surrounds the performance and the life that that you live in order to create a performance and what what you are as a circus artist as an individual that has been much more integrated into performing uh, into the performance content i see it much more integrated now in the aesthetical choices mm-hmm. in the you know the the themes of performances it's much more integrated in that like yeah, the structure kind of, this, of the show and yeah, yeah the outside life so another another type of integration li- like that is this integration between movement and juggling mm. and where kind of the line between those two is situated if right. there's even if there even is a line. Okay. So that's another thing that I've been thinking about. Like how can we perhaps arbitrarily 
divide movement in juggling into di- different levels or segments or mm. whatever, however you want to call it. Right? Okay, yeah, to abstract that concept a little bit. Yeah, maybe, yeah. and maybe there's some understanding there that can be uh, obtained through doing that. And what one way of doing it would be that you could look at juggling and movement because juggling has movement already, even if you juggle a three ball three ball cascade, mm. you have to move those your arms in order to execute those throws. Yeah. So there is a movement of the and just say movement of the body. Perhaps I should specify. Right. And then that, but that movement has a limit, and the limit goes to the movement is limited uh, to where to. The movement that is needed in order to move or throw the objects. Yeah, it, it's it's a very practical. It, it's functional. <laughs> like yeah, some sort of functional. So may, maybe we should call the 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 first block functional. Sure. And it's functional in terms of the objects move. What how they move. Yeah. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, but but then, when we enter some kind of, if we're gonna try to make a a, a next segment. So what if we branch out from that? What kind of movement do we get there? Well, if you 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 could you could perhaps you know exaggerate the movement. Yep. Amplify what's already there. Intentionally amplify certain aspects. So if you're gonna if you're gonna have to maybe let's say you're doing a trick where it kind of forces the technique forces you to turn in a circle for whatever reason. Yeah. You could turn in the circle more intentionally, like make a bigger circle or turn faster on purpose. Yeah. Right. That's what you right. Mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So amplified functional movement. Perhaps. Okay. And um, slowly we start to reach some place where there's there can be movement that is not connected to yes. the juggling. And I don't know if we could, you know, make some artificial segment even before then. Can you see something in between there? Or is that is that the line? Well, okay, I have I have like a million things I should maybe share with you before I attempt to answer that, because this what what you're saying now just brings up a couple of things I want to, I don't know, yeah, I want to I want to talk about in terms of this. I mean, the first thing is you're talking about movement and juggling and and how well to move the let's say you're juggling three balls, and in order to move the ball you have to move your arm. That's that was kind of one of the the big moments of my life <laughs> is when I was growing up juggling and, you know, I didn't have any way to talk about juggling in the way that I, of how I related to juggling or what I liked about juggling. I just didn't have a language. Um, I didn't really think it was so interesting that it was hard. I didn't think it was so interesting that, oh, maybe you can drop. And if you don't drop, you've achieved some sort of, you know, I don't know, value. Um, because for me, it was just all practice. It was just all, um, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't the, that wasn't the fascinating part for me. And, and so then when I saw dance for the first time, when I was 18 years old, I literally had a moment where I went, it was a ballet class because I was working in a theater and the director of the theater said, Hey, you should take some ballet classes. I'll give you a free pass. So I could go work with the, I could go take class with the Portland ballet for free which was really cool, right? So I walk in the room the first day and I see these people doing the porte-bras, the carriage of the arm, right? And I literally had a moment where I, I saw them moving their arm through space and I noticed that there wasn't a value placed on that movement where the movement was supposed to be impressive. 
because it was so difficult <laughs> or it was so accurately done or it was so hard to do or so skilled or something. I mean, obviously there was great skill in the room, mm -hmm. but it wasn't the focus of the work. The focus of the work was something that was going beyond that. There was an expression of that movement. And that was the first time in my life I had encountered that idea. And I said, hey, because the first time I saw that, I said, this is stupid. <laughs> like, this is so stupid. These people are waving their arms around and they're not doing any any sort of concrete tricks. I couldn't I couldn't discern the tech, technique in terms of a understandable way for my brain because I, you know, I was just so wired for juggling tricks that I'm like, well, they're just waving their arms around it. Like, it's really, yeah, it's really kind of mysterious. Um, but I did have that moment where I said, wait a second, what they're doing is a movement that is, is valuable and it's valuable for some sort of expression or aesthetic. And I said, but oh, I also move my arms when I juggle three balls. And I just mapped that one thing onto the other. And I said, well, if they can move their arms and have it be valued, not for the necessarily, necessarily the risk, let's say, then maybe I can also map those values onto my arm movements of juggling three balls and also not evaluate it through this idea of only through this idea of, of risk and not only just map those values onto my my literal arms but onto the objects i was also juggling so i had this really kind of, i don't know I, I don't know why i think it's kind of a stupid moment i guess because i think it's not very clever it's not very it's not a very deep process i'll give you that because i see someone waving their arms around i'm like oh i'm also waving my arms around but i have balls in my hands at the same time it's very arbitrary i think it's not a it's yeah it's not the the most <laughs> clever process but that's that's like my first thing i think about when you're talking about the movement here this functional movement yeah that's when i thought oh i'm doing functional movement but that functional mo movement could be valued for something more than its function somehow and that's that's you know that's that's talking about things then you're talking about things being an art form and and what does that mean but the other, a couple other thoughts spring to mind too, if, if I can. Mm -hmm. um, so the one is that, you know, I worked with the Jerome Thomas company and Jerome Thomas has a system of juggling called Cubic. And man, I am too old. And that was too long ago for me to really remember exactly everything about it. And you might know more than me about Cubic. But the one thing I do remember is this. Um, so let's say traditionally or whatever uh, in your lifetime, Eric, growing up and you're going to juggle, uh, let's say you learn to juggle three balls, right? And you're going to learn to do a new trick. So what do you do? Well, you take the balls and you throw them in a new way in a relationship to the other balls. So you go from cascade to reverse cascade. That's a new trick. And the thing you change is the path of the objects in relationship to the other objects. Well, in Jerome Thomas' uh, cubic practice or system or whatever you want to call it, he can make a new trick by going like this. So he can do his three ball his three ball cascade, and let's say he's standing up straight, very square shoulders with his feet parallel in second position, uh, you know, ballet second position, and and uh, a very a very uh, uh, normal juggling posture, let's say, right? And he's doing his three ball cascade. In Jerome's cubic uh, system, he can make a new trick. Uh, for example, by uh, raising his right leg. So the objects don't change. The number of objects don't change. The shape of the objects don't change. And the pattern of the objects don't change. But something has changed, and that's his body. right? So his relationship of his body to the trick has changed. Or the relationship of the body to the environment has changed. And there you get a new trick. 
And that's not a value I grew up with. That's not a way I could evaluate by making what I would call a new trick, right? That's, that's something else. And that's also related to movement. And then the third, the third example I want to give you is that Peter Davison of Air Jazz, he had a really nice, uh, he had a really nice way to describe uh, some physical movement with juggling. And he always talked about there was uh, the base of support. There's what's called the base of support. And there's three different bases of support. Mm -hmm. uh, base of support, you could say, basically is um, how you stand. Like the, the base of support is what you're supporting is your body and the juggling trick is what it means. The base of support of the trick, the physicality to make that trick happen. And so in the first base of support, you have a base of support that helps the trick. And that's what I would say is, is what, you're, what, what we're talking about here is functional movements. So it means that maybe when you're doing your five club back crosses, you are standing up very straight and you're not crouched over or leaning to one side. You're not walking because that's harder. You're, you're, you know, when you're walking, you're constantly falling and regaining your balance, for example. And then if you're losing your balance, you have these subtle uh, muscle movements to, to regain your balance using your arms. But you don't want to do that because you want to use all of your energy in the arm muscles to, to do the juggling. And so you have a, you have a, a base of support that I'm going to say helps the juggling. And maybe he used a different word than helps, but I'm going to say that for now. Then the second base of support is a base of support that complements the juggling. So you know Peter Davison's three ball routine. It's very iconic, right? And do you remember when he does the shower, three ball shower? What does he do? He does shower one direction. Yeah. And he kind of, one leg is kind of straight back out. Exactly. And, and the other leg he's standing on. Yeah, he does it. It's in ballet. I think it's called a tandu. Maybe. Yeah, there you go. You like stretch your leg out and point your toe. Yeah. And your lean, so, so, so your weight is on one leg. But the other leg is in a decorative position, right? It's decorating, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so when he changes the direction of the shower, he changes those legs. Yeah. So the second base of support is, is uh, it's complementing what's happening with the juggling. It, it, yeah. It's an aesthetical choice. And it's a step beyond the first base of support, which is just help, merely helping. Because mm. obviously when you're doing the shower, standing on one leg, which is, which is where all your weight is when you're doing that tandu, that's obviously physically harder it's less efficient than just standing parallel uh, second position, right? Um, and then the third base of support is a base of support that, that kind of actively does not <laughs> help the juggling and it's not uh, complementing mm -hmm. the juggling, it's a, which can be intentional. You could make a base of support that, that's really, again, maybe shifting all the time. So you're running or you're jumping, right? That could mm -hmm. be something. Mm -hmm. And you could also make a base of support that actively does not complement the juggling. For example, it's kind of fun. You you can find Peter Davison's three ball routine, I think on online somewhere. Was it on the Paul Daniels show maybe? That's yeah. a good version. So it's kind of a fun experiment to do if you've never tried it. Do the three ball shower in one direction and stick the leg out like Peter does. And then just for fun, reverse your legs mm. and see how it feels, right? There is some sort of experience there with the base of support, it's also intentionally contrasting the juggling or going against the juggling. So I don't know, that's, that's all the thoughts. So when you just ask me like, hey, is there some, some type of movement in between functional and an amplification? I mm. guess somewhere in, with Jerome Thomas and, and Peter Davison, there, there might be, yeah. but man, I can't. Uh, yeah, I, I now, now just as you were talking, I divided it into four. Okay. So you have the, the functional movement, which would be you move the way the objects 
uh, the, you move the, the your body the way the, the practical yeah the in, in the utilitarian way, yeah exactly it's yeah. how how you need in order for the objects to fly or move the way they need to go right mm. and then you have amplified movement the next uh, layer which is you do what you need to do but you exaggerate that in some way yeah and then the next the third step would then be some kind of artificial movement but it could still be complementing the object movement that's there right so perhaps it's that there we have peter davison's leg that he points in in some okay. direction you could argue that yeah it 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 amplifies it 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 uh, it's artificial it's not needed mm. for him to juggle the way he does but it's still connected it's still related it's complicating it com- it's motivated you can say it's motivated yeah right yeah. it's complement complementing the the juggling mm. and then the fourth uh, the first fourth step would then be artificial movement that's disconnected, disconnected yeah uh, from from the juggling and i think you definitely see this artificial movement um for better and for worse and a lot of juggling these days and people who are interested in juggling and movement there is that kind of you know it has been i mean my favorite example of juggling and movement has been richter's uh three club routine or, or it's not just three clubs but it's, it's his club act with a lot of three club juggling in it from conspiracy circus conspiracy from England, um, back in the mid nineties. And I really love his routine because it's a, it's a real integration of dance and juggling at the same time to make some moments that are new that would not exist without the juggling or without the dance. But a lot of the dance and juggling you see or movement and juggling, um, it's really a, a start and stop, uh, the juggling juggle a little bit and then stop and then do some movement and then stop and then juggle again and then stop right because to be fair i mean technically it's just super hard to to integrate movement and juggling in a real like that ben did i mean yeah in in that way and so um i i find i mean i mean and again for better or worse because there's different styles of dance and different styles of movement that you can combine with juggling but it just comes to mind this what what did you say the word was Dis- disconnected disconnected yeah and and lots of times you see the dance and juggling the only thing they have in common is the person doing that doing both those things right and yeah. that can be but another another um just another example just popped well, it has one more relation i mean it's it is done within what the movement of the object allows okay. because like if i throw or move the ball over here i can't ride i can't run you know five meters in the other direction then the ball's going to end up on the floor. So perhaps, mm. which you could do. Right. Uh, I don't sure. know, that, that could be an interesting experiment. <laughs> right, right. To make disconnected movement, movement that ruins or that mm. makes the juggling, you know, collapse. Yeah. I don't know what would happen then, but perhaps that's a fifth step then. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah that's fun.